Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Good morning, friends. Let's try that again. Good morning, friends. I'd like to invite you to get your Bible out. Maybe it's in the pew. Maybe you brought it with you. Maybe it's an app on your phone. I know those are handy dandy. Um, But if you would get those out and let us hear uh, our scripture for this morning. It comes from the Gospel of Mark, verses 1 through 12. And here's what it says. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was home. So many gathered around there that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came bringing him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, and he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or stand up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us pray. Almighty and loving God, we give you thanks for this morning. We give you thanks for the beauty of this day and the opportunity that we have to be in this holy place to worship you. We pray, God, now that as we have gathered in this place, that you would fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit, that you would quiet our hearts and minds, that our eyes might be opened to see you, hear you, and receive you in a brand new way this hour. Lord, made the words of my lips and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So upstairs on the fourth floor of the newest edition of our youth ministry area, There's this beautiful common area with this glorious kitchen where we can gather together and eat and fellowship. And then a little bit down the hallway, there's another room where we can gather together intentionally for study and gathering around a table. 
But nestled right in the middle of those two spaces is this prayer room, this sweet little prayer room. And it has become a place where our teenagers know that they can go and they can be still, they can be quiet, they can light a candle, they can play the piano, they can pray, they can lay in front of the cross if they want to. It is a sacred space where important things are meant to be considered and prayed about. This last week, Abby DeWiggins, our interim youth assistant, and I met with each one of our confirmands one-on-one in that sacred space. Why? Because we wanted to hear their story of faith. We invited them for just a moment to have all of our attention so that we could hear their story of how they have come to know God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and why it matters to them. And so we laughed, and there was candy, because always candy, right? Uh, We talked about confirmation and all the things that we've done. We shed some tears, we proclaimed Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we made decisions together about what that means for our lives. You see, during confirmation, we spend many months learning what we believe as Christ followers. We start with the Apostles' Creed, and we break it down, we pick it apart, and then we realize at some point that this creed simply reminds us of who we are, children of God the Almighty, of whose we are, that we belong to Jesus Christ, and how we are made to live through the Holy Spirit. What we know is that if we really, truly believe this statement of faith, if we really believe in God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, then it changes the way that we live our life. It must. It has to. We can't be the same. Life through the lens of faith helps us to have a new perspective about the world around us and how we engage in that world. Throughout confirmation, we think about how faith in Jesus changes the way we treat our bodies and the creation that God has given us. We think about the stuff that we so want to hold on to and the food we eat, how it impacts the choices that we make and how we spend our time and with whom we choose to spend our time with. God at work in the world demands, demands justice and truth and forgiveness. And it is only through the work and power of the Holy Spirit that we can grieve as people with hope, pray with confidence that God hears us, and practice our faith every day. All of our confirmands that are here, they have shepherds older friends in faith who have walked the journey of confirmation with them. They've prayed together, they've met together outside of class, they've shared meals, they've played. Together for months, they have done all of these things. 
One shepherd said to me, you know, Tammy, there's never been a time in my life when I've been invited to commit to something that has allowed me to get outside my comfort zone, talk about my faith, as well as go bowling, visit the rabbi at the temple, and tour a funeral home all at once. Which is true, I am sure. Confirmation, by definition, is faith formation. It is the forming and shaping us, creating within us a desire to know more than just head knowledge about God, but to be moved in such a way that we truly want to know the divine one who has created within its own image of us. It is the continuation of the baptismal covenant made for us at our baptisms. We've talked a lot about the fact it's like a relay race, right? Mom and dad, you have this beautiful gift from God and you bring this child to dedicate and be baptized before the church and you have all of this hope and excitement and the child is baptized and you pray that that child will know the love of God and so you have the baton and you run the race until they reach this age, this confirmation age, where then you turn back, you give that baton of faith to your young child, and you say, it is yours. Run with it, claim it, know it, be loved by God, and love others with God. As Paul says, run the race to win. This is a chance for these young teenagers to claim their faith, to claim it as their very own and run with it and carry it with them for the rest of their lives. Listening to our confirmands this last week made this passage of Mark stand out to me so amazingly. So you've got Jesus and he's come into Capernaum and people are like, Jesus is back. We gotta see Jesus. And so they make their way to this house where he is staying and they pack around the house. They go inside, they're all around. You can't get in the door. And then suddenly down the road, you see four friends and another friend who cannot walk and they're carrying him down the road. And they get to this situation and they can't get to Jesus, but that's all they want to do is get to Jesus. And so they dig through the roof of a house. They destroy a house to get to Jesus because they know that if they can get their friend before Jesus, he will be made well. And Jesus, he sees this and he's amazed by their faith and honors what they had done by healing their friend because of their faith collectively, the friends, the paralytic, all of them, Jesus heals him, and everyone who saw it was amazed and in awe. And I would dare say that their faith was renewed that day. So here is what stands out to me in this story. The first word that stands out to me is barriers. There were so many barriers for these friends to get to Jesus. 
There were crowds of people pressing in on Jesus, wanting his time, his attention. They were trying to hear what he had to say. There were naysayers, and there were people that were trying to trip Jesus up in his teaching. And I can only imagine the noise that was around with all of those people speaking and talking. And then there was a house, a physical building where Jesus was inside. And so often in the Gospels, when we pay attention to where Jesus is, he's outside. He's by the Sea of Galilee. He's on a grassy area feeding people and talking to people. But this time he was inside the house. And so they couldn't get to him. We live in a world of barriers all around us. Especially as teenagers, there are barriers of, I'm not old enough for some things, but I'm too old for other things, right? I want to do some things on my own, but I'm not really allowed to yet. I want to make decisions about my life, but I'm beholden to my parents or other people who tell me what I have to do. And then time itself is a barrier, right? It's the great commodity. We are overwhelmed and overcommitted people. Let me tell you that confirmation is a big commitment. Five months every Wednesday night, meeting with your shepherd once a week, going to worship, Sunday school, attending a church council meeting, and all in the midst of trying to do well in school, sports practices, Sports games, theater, choir events, earning service hours, homework, friends. Not to mention that we're trying to come out of a worldwide pandemic. Being dependent on our parents to get us where we need to be. There are so many reasons not to do confirmation. It can be one more thing in a long list of things. And yet, these young people... These teenagers, they said, nope, I want to do the thing. I want to overcome those barriers and be part of something that will transform my life, but will also transform the world. They were willing to do the hard thing, show up to class, read their Bible, memorize the Apostles' Creed. Friends, there is no other time in their lives that they have been invited to talk about God, seek God, and fall in love with God as they have during this time. In our one-on-one -on -one interviews with the confirmands, repeatedly their answer to the question, what was your favorite part of confirmation, aside from Chick-fil-A? I mean, we had a lot of Chick-fil-A, didn't we? A lot of pizza. They said, you know that time when we went on the retreat and you simply asked me to go out and spend time alone with God. You gave us time just to be with God, to put away all the things, the phones, the homework, the friends, the barriers, and just pay attention to God. When you hear that, I know that that resonates because all of us, long to truly sit in front of God, face to face, just like the paralytic. Sometimes we have to dig deep in our hearts and remove all the barriers, all the excuses, and just be in front of God. And it doesn't change once we get older, you guys. 
more demands, more things, more opportunities to distract us. But when we're determined and desperate enough to not let that happen, we can be in front of God. So that brings me to the next word. The next word that stands out to me is desperate. I always tell my kids, desperate people do desperate things. Have you ever heard that before? These friends were desperate to get their friend to Jesus. And the friend himself must have been part of this conversation about what they would do and how they would get to the one they knew would heal him. They were so desperate that they ripped a roof off of a house. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been on many, many mission trips over the years, and ripping a roof off of a house is not easy. It takes a lot of tools, right, Phil? It takes a lot of tools, a lot of people, a lot of agility and balance. And so you got friends, and you got a friend that can't help, and you're digging through this roof. They were desperate. One of the things that I know to be true about parenting teenagers is that we often live in a place of desperation. We are desperate to keep them safe for them not to get hurt. We are desperate to protect them from the world and yet desperate to give them the entire world. We are desperate to find them because at some point they go from wanting to be with us all the time to not wanting to breathe the same air that we breathe. As Christian parents, we want them to know the Lord and that they are loved beyond measure. We pray constantly for the salvation of their souls, bring them to church, surround them with love. As a youth minister, one of the most sobering things that I know is that my desire to have our young people fall in love with Jesus is simply not enough to get them there. But I am desperate enough for them to know the deep and wide and unconditional love of God that I'll do just about anything for them to know it and experience it. And if the truth be told, all of us, each and every one of us, are desperate to connect with God in a very real and tangible way, even if we don't have the words to convey it. That is our heart's deepest longing. Saint Augustine reminds us, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. I'm pretty desperate for rest. I don't know about you. The third word that resonates with me is determination. The friends were determined to get their friend before Jesus. They were determined to have Jesus' full attention on their friend. The people around them were determined to see what would happen. The naysayers and the jaded scribes were determined to dismiss what Jesus was doing in and for this person. And Jesus was determined to heal the paralytic and reveal himself to those who were there and to those whom the healed man would encounter as he went on his way home. Determination, the act of coming to a decision or fixing or setting a purpose. 
To decide to tear off someone's roof is a bold move in order to get your friend in front of the Lord. Parents bringing a young baby or their young teenager for baptism and confirmation in a world that tells you that it's really not that important and it's just one more thing you've already added to a burgeoning schedule takes determination. Shepherds committing to discipling a young person to pull back the curtain of your own faith and carry this person throughout this journey takes determination. A young seventh grader or ninth grader deciding to go through confirmation and make a decision for Jesus that will impact the rest of their life takes determination. A church community that's dedicated to making the disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world takes determination. And you, you, all of you, me, living out our commitment that we made so long ago to Christ and renewing our own membership vows takes determination. And finally, the greatest determination of all is found within the almighty love of God himself who pursues us relentlessly every day of our lives, determined never to leave us alone. Friends, may we be just as determined as those five friends. May we see clearly what it is that we need and pursue it with confidence, bold enough to go through whatever stands in our way to come face to face with Jesus, knowing that we have his full attention. And finally, the last word, amazed. We say that a lot. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. Cool, cool. We say that a lot. But when was the last time we were truly and utterly amazed? Scriptures reference amaze 75 times throughout the Bible. This particular passage that we read just a minute ago, so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is really an amazing moment right here. Everywhere we turn, we see a broken and anxious and hurting world. Every day, we witness hate, we see violence, we see war, famine, injustice, division, and it would be extremely easy for us to get lost in the crowd and be defeated by what seems insurmountable. In a day and time when you can turn on any news cycle and hear everything that's wrong with our young people today, I invite you to see what is right with our young people today. They are good and beautiful and perfect, and they are carrying the light and hope of Christ. They have looked in the face of Jesus, and they have made their decision today to say yes to Jesus profess that faith, to join his church. And it's not just about them. It's about the world and revealing the kingdom of heaven 
right here on earth. Listening to our confirmands tell Abby and I the stories of their faith and how it is being realized has been beautiful and amazing. How they, much like the paralytic man, not only allowed themselves to be put before Jesus by their parents and their shepherds and their friends, but they believed in what Jesus told them when he said that they are forgiven and loved. My life has been changed in the hearing and the seeing of their faith. And I invite you to ask them, yourselves, about their stories of faith. See them, hear them, delight in them, be moved by them, be amazed. Today is one of the most exciting days in the life of our church. In our lives, in our church, in our community, in the world. It is a day that I personally pray for and hope for all year long. I know I'm not supposed to have favorite things. And it's ministry people, you're not supposed to do that. But confirmation is my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing. Because it's an awakening within the lives of young people to hear the voice of God who created each and every one of us and put his very breath within us. I hope that you will be amazed. Nineteen precious humans have spent the last five months showing up to church, meeting with their shepherds, asking questions, reading their Bibles, praying, eating together, and learning their faith. They bring with them to the altar their prayer bench. And this prayer bench was prayed with their shepherd on our confirmation retreat. They built this bench, they painted it, they prayed what would go on it. They will make their confirmation on this bench or let's say this mat of sorts. And after they are confirmed, they will pick up their mat, they will pick up that bench, and they will go out and go home. And that bench will be a reminder for them of where they have been and where they are going, and most importantly, the unyielding love of God. Confirmians, May today reveal to you the love of Almighty God. And may all of us who witness this moment, this profound moment in your life, with desperation and determination, we can all overcome any barriers. We put ourselves in front of Jesus. Those barriers will go away. May we be amazed. May we all be inspired by these young ones and be reminded of the need that we have for Jesus. May we stand up and go in our goings and comings and proclaim to all the world of the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings.